Episode 40, Krista Hughes, CEO of Hughes Advocacy. What's your podcast about? Mistakes. We all, if you don't think you can make mistakes, then oh gosh, bless your heart. (laughs) I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes, because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links and more, go to markraven.com slash mistake 40. And now on with the show. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. I'm really happy to be joined today by Krista Hughes. She's joining us from Birmingham, Alabama. So before I give a little bit more of an introduction, let me just say uh, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is an honor and um, I'm just so excited to be here and I hope that my favorite mistake is um, not only helps you, but helps your audience not to make the same mistake as I do. Yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure it will. Um, I, I know we have some important topics ahead. And part of the reason I know that, let me tell the listeners, the audience, a little bit more about Krista's background. So again, Krista Hughes, um, she is a patient advocate, and we'll have a chance to talk about what that is. She is CEO of Hughes Advocacy. That's a private patient advocacy firm that helps patients and their families navigate the healthcare system and get the best medical care possible. So really important goals, and we'll have a chance to learn um, more about what that means and what you do and the topic of mistakes in general. Um, But first off, Krista, what would you say is your favorite mistake? So there's a lot of mistakes, especially I think if you're starting a business, um, part of starting a business is making several mistakes and then learning from them. My favorite mistake has to be that something just happened recently during COVID. Um, And as a patient advocate on my mission statement, I talk about, I'm going to be your voice and let's be proactive. And, you know, after five years of being an advocate, I've realized that my mission statement, I wasn't truly living it out. I wasn't using my voice as I should for my patients. And during COVID, um, I kind of had a aha, the big light bulb moment of when I recognized my mistake. And it was because of being an advocate for five years, when when harm or error had happened to a patient, I always just tried to do the right thing and, you know, not rock the boat. And I would take these mistakes to a facility in which they were occurring because my hope was doing the right thing. You know, we're not going to point fingers, but let's work together and fix it. That's how we're going to grow. And I, after repetitively doing this over and over and it just falling on deaf ears or being told no or during COVID, I had an administrator tell me that these are your perceptions. And I even had someone say, you know, that's not harm enough. And that's when the light bulb, the aha, the mistake came out and it was, Wow. I'm doing my clients a disservice. I'm not using my voice. I need to truly step up and speak for them and be proactive for patients. If I'm going to 
put it on my website, then I, I need to do it. I don't need to just write it. And I have changed my perception of how to handle and work for patients to prevent them from having harm. And I'm doing that in ways of being on your podcast, something I've never done before. You know, public speaking and something fun I have just done as of recent is I have started a second part to my company and I'm offering the first and only coaching course for patients only. It was written for patients, with patients in mind, with patient experiences. You know, there's courses everywhere right now in the virtual world because of COVID. And everything is tailored towards a course for healthcare workers or how to be a better advocate or, you know, health and wellness. I cannot find anything that truly, truly you sit down and you teach a patient how to take control of their health. What does that look like? And there's so much information on the internet. I mean, information overload. And my goal as an advocate and now as a coaching advocate is to give them the right tools to transform their lives, mm -hmm. not just give them a bunch of information. Yeah. So let, let's dig deeper you know, into your story of, you know, the hospital replying to the issues that you were raising in a way that um, sounds dismissive um, at, you know, um, well, well, you know, kind of let's step back, you know, maybe through that story. And first off, you know, a question for you, um, why do patients need an advocate? Like just for example, from what I know about the healthcare system, my wife and I, and I think this extends to her parents and to mine, we sort of have this pact. If we have to be hospitalized, nobody gets left alone ever. That means we're there as family or we'll hire an advocate to be there with us. But, you know, with that setting the stage, why, why, why do patients need an advocate or why should they have one? Here's an example. And literally, I just added this to my website last night. Um, I found a video I did about two years ago about stroke awareness. You know, I did this calm video on what is it? What do you look for? How do you handle it? I, you know, I teach all this all the time. And in October, my dad had a stroke. And when it happened, I froze. Didn't know what to, I was like, what do I do? I can tell you as an advocate what to do over and over in my sleep. And when it happened, and just like I tell my clients when they get diagnosed with cancer, you hear the Charlie Brown syndrome, the wah, wah. You hear nothing. You go into fight or flight. And I remember just walking around my house, pacing, but not going in any direction. And my best friend was like, let's, Krista, you're an advocate. I'm going to put your tools and techniques. And I'm, and she had to walk me and calm me back down to literally at one point, she was like, are you leaving your house with shoes on your feet? But the importance is it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter your education level. When something traumatic happens to you, it, it doesn't mean that you're not smart. It just means there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion. And if you don't have an advocate to help you navigate, calm you down, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm not emotion, emotionally involved. I'm, I'm removed from the situation. Um, so I, in my opinion, that's what makes it important is even myself personally, just three months ago, had no idea what to do. 
and I've been doing this. So, I mean, when you talk about um, the need for an advocate or the way that people get uh, blindsided or sidetracked or thrown out of sorts by medical news or having to navigate this, I mean, are there times where you've had doctors or nurses as clients of yours at being an advocate for them to navigate it from a patient side? I actually do. And I've had a nurse and, um, and it's funny, doctors, 90% of the doctors I work with absolutely not only love working with an advocate, they say that I help with reduce errors. They say, especially because of COVID, I have heard, do you know how much burden you have taken off my plate? Um, I have a client that um, has uh, um, cancer diagnosis and literally uh, just last week, he on the phone said, where's the advocate? I'm not talking. Is she on the phone? I'm not talking to y'all unless the advocate's on the phone. They see our value and they, in the active role. Um, so yes, I have had a um, doctor, I've had a nurse. And then of course the doctors I work with are, they know we know how to talk the language, you know, it's quick, it's easy, you know, and, and they like that. Um, and I coordinate care, you know, doctors don't have time to coordinate care. That is something I take on. Personally. I make sure the right knows what the left is always doing. Yeah. And, and so you talk about errors. I mean, one of the reasons from my perspective to have a patient advocate is to try to help prevent um, getting caught in the middle of mistakes and errors that, that can lead to harm. I mean, I think a lot of the general public and maybe a lot of the audience here doesn't know but how prevalent of a problem is this, um, you know, mistakes and errors that, that lead to harm or death? I will have to say every single day I have something I'm catching. Every day. Little, big, insignificant, but sometimes it's, this was not in the medical history, you know, this stroke is not in the medical history. So if this doc, if this patient goes to the hospital, to the ER, they're not going to know he's had a stroke. And so what if they take him off his eloquence? You know, I report that to a doctor, you know, that, that could have been a catastrophe, but I called it. So see, that was little. So it's one of those that I have a client that said, how did we, how would we have known this? Well, you know this, but I don't know this. So I personally see it daily. To the average person, they're not going to notice certain things. Just like if if you murder someone, are you going to handle it all by yourself and go to court and Google how to be your own attorney? <laughs> You're going to have someone that that's their niche, that you hope they're good enough they can get you off. You know, why don't you have an advocate? I've been told you should have an advocate on your speed dial. Um, one of my clients, I've trained them so well. That's my hope as an advocate that I teach you so well, you don't need me. And I have a client and she keep, they keep me on retainer. I have the whole family, the siblings, everybody. And um, they keep me just for 911. But she said, you've taught me so many tools that I now know how to own my own health care that I had no idea what a HIPAA right was or how to do my patient portal or what do you mean these hospital acquired infections? You don't know what you don't know. Knowledge is power. Our profession has started because errors are that bad. And if you don't think they're happening, then you're misleading yourself and you're not educating yourself. And that's not a knock against doctors. I do not want doctors to think I'm against them. 
They're human. You know, you're doing a podcast on mistakes. We all make them. You know, it takes a village. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I would emphasize, you know, a couple of points. One, the the problem is really bad. And this is not just an American problem. This is a worldwide problem. There are different studies and estimates that that say um, the third leading cause of death in the United States is medical error. And I, I have a, a future guest um, coming up who's going to be talking about this from the perspective of being a physician, um, Dr. David Mayer. He is the CEO um, of a nonprofit called the Patient Safety Movement Foundation. And he's going to share a personal story of his as a physician. And we're going to talk about um, things from, from his perspective. So I think your episode and and his will go together very nicely. But you know, the second point I wanted to emphasize, so for one, big problem. Two, it's a systemic problem. And this is something Dr. Mayer and I talk about. When errors and harm occurs, uh, errors and harm occur, I just made a mistake in speaking. Um, when, when harm occurs, it's not because of a bad doctor or a bad pharmacist. These are more often than not systemic problems related to communication, lack of teamwork, lack of coordination, things like that. And it is. And, you know, you, you were talking about MedStar and the patient safety movement. Healthcare, and I see it all the time, and it, and it does, it, it, it extremely frustrates me so bad. They deny and defend, they get so defensive, so defensive. And that aggravates me sometimes they're so yeah. defensive that they tell stuff that's not even true and you know uh the patient safety movement has a webinar actually tomorrow because they're coming out with a program well, i think the program's been around it's called candor and yes. it is such a problem systemic problem in healthcare of delay deny and defend that they're wanting to implement these amazing programs of empathize transparency and how about just a good old i'm sorry you know you you're doing a podcast about mistakes we're coming on here talking about ours wouldn't it be nice if healthcare would knew all these five years my mistake is for five years i've brought harm to a hospital and instead i've been told no defend my perception not harm enough it would be so nice because we're all human to hear oh my gosh what can we do to fix it I'm so sorry. I would, I'm ready to hear that in today's world. And what um, can we do to prevent the same thing from happening again? That's where as an engineer, I'm driven to say, okay, it happened. We're all human. Systems are bad. That, that's, that's, a, well, that's one level of mistake. But then I know, like, you know, Dr. Mayer and others would talk about, you know, like the, the, the harm that comes from unintentional acts. Mm -hmm. Then on top of it, lying, denying, yep. being defensive, that's an intentional choice. And, that, and that's, that's I, I hate saying that or hearing about it. And I had a client that literally two days before New Year's got a devastating diagnosis. And, um, and the spouse had, had just had surgery. And I said, you know, let me handle getting your HIPAA rights so we can get your medical records sent to where you want to go get treatment. And so I called the facility and said, hey, we need the form sent to the family via email. And um, I was told, no, that's against the HIPAA. They're HIPAA, you know, so, and I went, no, that you're misspoken, misspeaking, excuse me. Um, you have to provide three ways, one, two, or three. 
you telling them to come in is not one of the ways by the civil rights, the government, the federal law. And she told me I was wrong. As a matter of fact, she said, we just had a class this morning about HIPAA rights. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting because it's two days before New Year's. And whoever taught this class, I would love <laughs> to meet them. But I literally said, I need to know, may I have the name of your director? And she said, I don't know it. Oh, you don't know her name? Mm-mm. Well, can I have an email address? Don't know it. Oh, okay. And then I said, well, do you realize that you're this person's provider? And what makes me sad is you're arguing you're delaying care, you're telling false information, and who you're hurting is this patient. You can argue with me till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have to get these medical records. Why, why argue? Nobody called, so delaying care. The next day, I leave a message, and they call, and it was, mm-hmm. And I was like, we're, we're not even start there. Like, put your feelings about me aside, and she continued to tell me lies about HIPAA that I sent her the video and said, please go watch it from one minute, 11 minutes and one minute, 17. And then you let me know. And they immediately called and apologized and then followed the law. But why do that? Why lie and cover up and harm a patient for your, what did you gain from that is what I don't understand. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of misperceptions um, about HIPAA. I've seen this as a consultant to healthcare organizations. I go through HIPAA training, and then I, I go on site somewhere, and I hear something where I'm like, I don't think that's really what the law allows or doesn't allow. Um, so it, it could have been unintentional. Maybe the training there was a mistake in what was communicated. Uh, there was a mis- you know maybe it just wasn't taught. Um, effectively. But I want to come back to your story that you told um, you know, kind of at, at the beginning there. You know, and again, well, yeah, I know you, you're not going to use names and this isn't a HIPAA violation to talk about something kind of generally speaking. But what what types of, can you tell share a little more detail about the mistakes that you shared with the hospital that led to them saying, well, these are your perceptions? Like, can you give a little more detail about what led to you as an advocate coming in and sharing this with the health system? Well, I mean, anything like uh, mistakes of appointments. Oh, God, that was the biggest mess for a long time is appointments where um, they were putting them on the portal, but not calling the patient. And you have to realize some of these are boomers and they don't do that. So I had cancer patients missing infusion treatments, chemo treatments, and the the hospitals reporting stuff like... um, well, they're not checking their portal. I'm not going to call them. And I just, you know, I never go to a hospital to point, we're coming after you. It, it, it's a collaboration. Like you said, I was getting data from what I'm seeing. So I wanted to like, hey, let's share this and make it better. Um, and when I was like, this is happening and people are missing their chemo treatments. Mm-hmm. Let's acknowledge it. Let's fix it. Right. Let's not cut this patient. Then it was, well, then if they're not going to do the portal, one of them, they made them just stop their portal. So no, now we can no longer use their portal to the talk to the doctor. It, it was just constant, just argumentative with, let's just streamline it. Make everybody happy. And it's that or where uh, they don't talk to the patient, you know. Um, mm. 
I had a doctor, a nurse the other day say, ask a patient, why are you paying for this advocate? That I, I get that all the time. And I, I got so angry. I said, do you, did you also ask them how much their shoes cost today? Like when did you become <laughs> their financial advisor too? <laughs> right. You have your care team. You have doctors and nurses and radiologists that are with your team. Why don't we get to have and choose our care team? It's our health. And at the end of the day, it's not yours. It's my, you really do work for me. I pay tons of money to insurance companies that it should be a, oh my gosh, Miss Hughes, we welcome your team, you know, and, and it's just, those are errors that just are constant fight. And then, like you said, the HIPAA, it is, that is a daily issue, a daily violation that happens. I want to hear a little bit more, Krista, about, you know, you said you, one of your learnings was, the lesson was, um, say I made another mistake there, learnings is not technically a word, but people use that word. Um, what The lesson you talked, you said that you reflected that you were being too polite. So what what has that translated into in terms of your approach to, to use your voice to be um, a stronger advocate, what what does that look like? And, and have you started seeing results from that approach now? Well, I have, one, I've become a better advocate because it's like, you know, I did start this for the patient. I'm not against the health care system, but I started this for a reason that I don't need to be so sensitive and worrying as the healthcare going to get mad at me for speaking out. Uh, stand for the patient that has just been harmed or an ever never event happened or whatever, you know, got a cancer diagnosis. That's my job. They're, they're paying me their hard earned money because they're hurting. And so I have, um, so yes, I've grown, I'm speaking out for this patient. Um, it, I, I realized it was falling on deaf ears that it, you know, it's going to take a lot to change a healthcare system, but me changing it, from bringing it to them, now I'm arming my patients sufficiently. I'm teaching them to push back, to ask the right questions. And then I started this coaching class that I truly want these patients to know when they go to the doctor, choosing the right doctor. What is HIPAA? How to correct your medical records? Have you ever gotten a copy of your... I have a client that just got his medical records Um right before Christmas, and it said he was a chronic smoker, he's never smoked, said he was an alcoholic, socially drank, and seven surgeries were on there he had never had. Mm, wow. These are things that I've learned now, instead of like doing the general approach, and as a private advocate, I kind of spoil my clients, and I do all this for them, and um, they rely on me a little too much, like I stop my toe, do I go to the doctor or not, <laughs> that... I'm trying to take that whole principle and practice and using my voice to teach my clients, you don't have to be fearful. Don't be disrespectful to doctors, but sure. you also are responsible for owning your care too. And a lot, a lot of boomers just agree, you know, the doctor, I can't push back. Well, yeah, you've gone to them for their niche. They, they've earned the right to be called doctor. But if you don't trust them, your gut doesn't, they're a dime or doesn't, go to someone else. So I'm teaching people that that's okay. Like, so my mistake that I've taught my clients is it's okay to stand up for yourself. What are they going to do? Fire you if you stand up for yourself? 
Yeah. Do it respectfully. But I have a client that was misdiagnosed and now he has cancer all over his body. You can't take that back. So if you don't use your voice and you're too worried, his son asked me when some things went wrong with this particular case, he said, please don't make them mad. They might hurt my dad. That's the number one thing I hear. Don't rubble their feathers. There's going to be more harm. And I said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you something. You have a choice. Do you want me to ruffle their feathers or your dad's? And he goes, well, no, if you put it like that, I'm going to choose my dad. That's what I want people to realize. If you felt harm, you've got to use your voice. And that's what I've learned. Use your voice. Be proactive. So um, I have a, a friend of mine. Uh, who called me with a question. I didn't really know how to answer it. I think you will have a better answer, Krista. So, you know, unfortunately his wife uh, was in the hospital getting ready for surgery. And then basically um, she coded or he noticed that she was turning blue. Mm -hmm. Thankfully he was there to notice this. It goes back to my point of don't ever leave me alone in the hospital. So he notified a nurse. They did the right thing. They called the rapid response team. And thankfully she was recovered and, and she was okay. He couldn't get any information. He wanted to know basically what happened. Mm -hmm. Not just, I mean, thank you for maybe saving her life there, but why did she turn blue? What needs to be done to prevent it? And nobody would give him answers and he didn't know how to speak up, sort of being unhappy about that. What would you recommend or what would an advocate do? Well, Here's what I would do, and I have done. Um, I said earlier, my dad had a stroke in October. And um, COVID, only one person could be, you know, with my dad. And I'd done the night, and, um, you know, I'm medical. My mom is very intelligent, but she doesn't know all the, you know, the rules. And it, and it was hard with COVID. One person. And um, so... We did a swap out because I knew my dad was going to go get an MRI, be back. We, you know, I ask a million questions, so I'm probably asked too much, but I knew, <laughs> but I also know that it could take a little longer. Four and a half hours later, my mom, what do you mean you don't know where dad is? No one knew where my dad was. Nobody in the hospital, the nurse, the hospitalist, nobody knew where he was. I freak out. I, I get a little, I, sometimes I probably should have a better filter, um, but I got extremely, it's my dad. I don't care if you're mad or not. Find him. He's had a stroke. He can't speak. Your fight or flight is kicking in. So, well, no, here's why I actually did the advocate hat. Um, and maybe I went in person, but to your point, when it was done, I knew what to do. To, I wanted to know why. Who dropped the ball? Where were these tests? But I just kind of knew how hard to push back. That, and it's funny, I had to say some, you sometimes to go from polite to like a little passionate to downright, you just got to be mean because that's the only love language they know is to yell. Wow. That eventually, then the tests were done. You know, no orders had been put in. And sometimes, I mean, it is your right to find out what is going on. And I just, I mean, I said, I said, I want you to come in here and tell me what happened. So push back, push harder, push harder, ask for, I asked for the director of quality. I said, I want to know who, the, who is in charge of this at the highest level. 
Sometimes you just got another chain of command um, who to talk to because what it, I told him, y'all, if y'all don't find my dad and he has had a stroke, he could have been dead in a hallway. And my dad even said I was just sitting there and how they got him back because he got so tired of sitting. He just got up and walked. Wow. Wow. So push back. It's, it's my dad. Mm -hmm. Or it's, it's yourself if you're advocating for yourself. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah, you know, you always start out nice always, but they back to, they work for us. They owe us answers. Like where was my dad? You know, why did my wife code? What led to this? Because if, if I, I'm learning from my favorite mistakes. You've got to recognize them to learn from them. If I was a hospital person in in that situation, I'd be like, oh my gosh, let's figure out so this never happens to anybody else ever again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, Krista, I want to ask one other question before we go. And and just recap, you know, we're joined today by um, Krista Hughes from Hughes Advocacy um, another friend of mine last year um, was diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer and was going through a lot of treatment. And thankfully, he is looking like he's he's back to normal and on a, a really good path here. So again, like you know, um, as a friend, and, and I know he uh, is thankful for the healthcare system. Um, he relied a lot on a lot of these meetings with oncologists and discussions about treatment options. Um, a, a mutual friend who is a, a, a pediatric specialist, not an oncologist, but a doctor. And my friend had his doctor friend listening in on a lot of the phone calls and being there for him. And, and I think that was helpful. But my final question for you as a specifically trained patient advocate, do you, are, are, what, what advantage would there be to using a patient advocate over a physician to help navigate all of this? Well, I mean, even if you don't have an advocate, I always believe you should have multiple ears listening. And the reason I say that is I have a client that has um, um, a cancer and um, both him and his wife, I always, I, I just do this for myself. I love to ask, what did you hear? Or what did you hear? And they each hear something different. And it's never what even was the moral of the story that the the oncology team. So I always think I don't care who's part of your team. You definitely need ears because they're emotionally involved and they're only going to hear bits. So I think that's a critical piece no matter what. But also, I that's funny. I've had a doctor actually tell me, oh, my gosh, if I hired, I would hire you in a second because you know the system, you know policy, you know HIPAA laws, you know so many moving parts. I know, and I'll use this just as an example, um, I know neuro and that's it. I don't know cardio. I don't know, you know how to take to a skill. I don't know transition. I don't know coordinating. So that was a compliment to me is from a doctor's perspective is he said, you know, we have a niche. Um, but again, I just... Everybody needs to have some form of advocate, especially a, a, a cancer diagnosis. That journey's hard enough. Um, 
But, you know, an advocate does have so much more um, credentials on what to do to better navigate you. Or like I said, I've got this coaching class and by the end of it, you you finish with a book so that when you, have, you know, we all have a fire drill. You know what, when there's a fire drill, we just had tornadoes in Alabama. We know when they say tornadoes, you better know where your, your little shelter in place better be just in case. I think everybody needs that for an advocacy, like me with my dad with a stroke. You better have your action plan, and that's what I'm doing as a coach, is by the end of each class, you're going to have like a book. So if your 911 happens, it's like, ooh, page four. I don't care who you are. You've got to, we're, we're human, and um, healthcare is hard. Healthcare is tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. Again, they do amazing things and there are so many great individuals, but that um, can coexist with broken systems. And that's what I hear from so many different patient safety um, experts um, from the physician side or from the advocate side. And, and I see that as an engineer and somebody working in healthcare. Um, there's, there's an old expression that uh, bad systems will defeat good people every time. And we need to help change that. Yeah. So, and that's so, all we can uh, do. talk about it, bring awareness, remind people, because I tell people all the time, everybody is going to get sick. Nobody's immune or hurt. Yeah, Everybody's going to get hurt. It doesn't, ha- I, I get, you know, it, de- they don't discriminate. And when something devastating happens, it's instant. Yeah. And you just better be either very prepared or have an advocate on speed dial because it's not if it's when. Well, Krista, thank you so much for sharing, you know, not only your story and your reflections about how to be a better advocate. And I, I admire, you know, your drive um, to, to keep getting better. Cause that's what this is all is all about. We don't talk about the mistakes uh, to dwell on them, but hopefully we're learning from them and preventing them in the future. So um, again, we've been joined Krista Hughes, CEO of Hughes advocacy you can find her website at www.hughesadvocacy.com. And then do you have a, a different website for that other training venture that you mentioned? No, it is under, um, because it's, you either can do the private or you can do the group. It's advocacy either way. Some people, I, one of the main reasons I kind of did it is I get so many calls going, I don't want you to hold my hand. I just want your tips. Well, yeah. now you can get my tips. So, you know, and some people that have done tips, they now, I'm their advocate. So it's under the same heading. It's um, just the coaching part of it. Okay. Well, great. I hope people will check that out. Um, Krista, again, thank you so much for uh, being a guest. Thank you for helping me figure out and working through the couple of little mistakes I made with this new technology I'm using to record these. I really appreciate it. Hey, what's your podcast about? Mistakes. We all, if you don't think you make mistakes, then, oh gosh, bless your heart. (laughs) And in the South, I know what that means. So we'll Uh just leave, we'll just, we will leave it at that, Uh Krista, again. Thanks a lot. Thank uh, you and have a great day. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. 
See you next time.